0: What is up, guys, and welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon. I'm going to be your host, and this is episode 71. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for checking it out. I believe you're going to get a ton of value out of not just this episode, but any episode you go back and listen to. There's a lot of stuff here. So this is episode 71. This is uh, the seventh month, I believe, or sixth and a half month, <laughs> basically seven month, seventh month. We've been doing this podcast and it's a two time per week podcast on Tuesdays, the day that uh, this one is going to air, is we always have a a physical based podcast, something about the body, something physical based. So could be weight training related, could be nutrition related, it could be supplementation related, could be very specific exercise related, muscle group related, whatever, something like that. And then the Second episode of the week that airs every single week is on Thursday, and that is always going to be something mindset related. Okay, as it pertains to fitness, something mindset related, uh, possibly vision, possibly visualization, possibly positivity, right? Your perspective on things and how positivity can affect your ability to reach new goals in the gym and stay focused and stay motivated and stay inspired and find ways to generate accountability and things like that. So there's a two-time-per-week podcast every Tuesday and every Thursday. So if you're new to the podcast, again, thank you so much for checking it out. I do have an opportunity here for you to win one of four $50 Amazon gift cards. Now, this is going to be only taking place in the month of December 2018 as we wrap up the end of the year. So there's a three-step process to get this. A three-step process that'll take you a couple of minutes. And if you follow that process, you will be entered into the contest to win one of four $50 Amazon gift cards. So what do you need to do? First, step one, go over to iTunes and leave me a review. Leave this podcast a review on iTunes. Okay, That's step one. Step two, screenshot the review with your phone. Okay, Chances are you're going to be using your phone while you do this. So screenshot the review and then... Step three, go into either Instagram or Facebook and post the screenshot. Tag me, tag one friend, and that's it. That's all you need to do. I will see it. I will enter you into the contest, and you'll be notified in January if you are a winner. For a second entry, all you need to do is post on the social media platform that you didn't post on the first time. So If you post on Instagram, right, that'll get you entered once go ahead and post on Facebook. That'll get you entered twice or vice versa. So if you post on both, you'll be entered twice. And that's it guys. And the more you do that, okay, the more you help me do that, you are spreading. So this is like a selfless move on your part, because what you're doing is you are spreading awareness, not just about the podcast, but about all the concepts we talk about. Okay. This podcast is not loaded with ads or anything, there's not a monetization stream here. This is just for educational purposes. So the more that you spread awareness about these things, the more you are helping other people. Okay. The more you are helping other people. So if you want to give back and at the same time, possibly win a $50 gift card to Amazon to spend on anything, this is a way to do it. It'll take you a couple minutes and it's a win, win, win across the board. You win, right? I win and the person, the recipient who is exposed to this podcast wins just by having another source of education, another source of knowledge, another source of information sent to them, right? Referred to them by a friend, by you of where they can go to learn more about fitness, learn more about nutrition, learn more about training, learn more about mindset around all these things. So that's it. Now, what is this podcast episode going to be about? I'm going to dive in to how to build a stronger, bigger, more muscular back. Okay. We all have a back obviously. And the reason I'm dedicating an entire episode to the back is because I get asked about it a lot. Okay. I get asked about it a lot and I see a lot of people who want a bigger back. They want a stronger back. This is men and women. They want a stronger back. They want a more defined back. They want something that they can be proud of. because The back makeup makes up such a big part of the upper body and they don't know how to train it properly. So I'm going to get into a lot of fundamentals around how to build a bigger back. Not just specific exercises, but things you need to know about how to build the back. And then I'm going to identify some exercises that are critical for building those muscle groups because it's not just one muscle group. All right, it's a muscle group, but it's not just one muscle group. Okay, there are multiple back there and there are ways to train that make the back look more defined and be stronger that are probably they probably go against ways and things that you might think about how to build the back. And by the way, some of the principles that we're going to talk about here some of the high-level principles, not the actual, like, here's the lift to do, and here's how you hold it, and here's how many times you do it, but the actual, like, the big-picture principles, they apply to all of the major muscle groups, okay? All of the major muscle groups. So, the, the overarching thing to think about when you think about building a stronger back and a bigger back, and by the way, some of the benefits of having a bigger back and having a stronger back aren't just to be able to lift more weight in the gym. And they aren't just to have aesthetics of having like a V shape. Because if you think about people who have a strong, well-defined back, both men and women, both in the, let's say competitive realm, powerlifting, bodybuilding, whatever, CrossFit, but also just like women that you find attractive and men that you might find attractive or men and women that you would look at and say, they have a nice physique. They have a well-built de physique. They have a physique that they've put time into and energy into building into something that is attractive, okay? Um, when you think about those things, if you think about it right now, visualize it, one of the key iconic pieces of having a built-up back, a stronger back, a more defined back, is having a V-shape, right? Now, it could be an extreme... V shape, if you are into extremely competitive powerlifting or extremely competitive bodybuilding, then you might want that V to be very, very, very pronounced. Meaning you have a a thinner waist, a more narrow waist, like an extremely narrow waist in some cases. And then from the waist up is just this complete like 45 degree outward angle coming out of, of either side of the waist, right? Just going almost straight out 45 degrees all the way up into the shoulders, right? So now you have this very pronounced V and that is a very desired trait if you are into bodybuilding. And the reason for that is because it it indicates that you have um, very, very, very built up lats, okay? Lats are like the main muscle group in the back. It also indicates that the the traps with the trapezius, which is the upper, muscle group in the back, uh, which is really kind of the shoulders, right? But it also travels down the middle of the back and supports the spine that that is also built up. And then it also indicates that the delts, right? The deltoids are also built up, which is really also, again, a shoulder muscle group, but they all play together so much that they aren't mutually exclusive from each other. There are ways to target them for sure, but they are synergists to each other in almost every aspect. So, anyway, that V shape if you think about that if it's very pronounced in the competitive power uh, bodybuilding world and then in the powerlifting world just by as a byproduct of lifting such heavy weights the that that same V shape becomes achieved. Now, typically powerlifters don't carry as low of a body fat percent as competitor or competitive uh, bodybuilders And therefore, that V might not look as pronounced, okay? All the striations and little definition uh, details that you would see in a bodybuilder won't necessarily show up in most powerlifters, okay? I'm talking purely from an aesthetic standpoint, but they still build up that V-shape just because they're lifting so much weight and they're building up their back and they're building up their shoulders. And typically, their waist just isn't going to scale along with the muscle groups that they're building because they're lifting so much weight. Either way, they're going to still have that V-shape. Now, if you look at someone who is not in either one of those categories, okay, just a fitness model or even just someone who you think is fit, right, who is fit, they have a V-shape. It's less pronounced, but they have a V-shape. They have whatever their waist size is, a more narrow waist size probably because they live a fitness lifestyle, because they are a fitness influencer or a trainer or whatever, they have a more narrow waist, right, because they're fit. And then they're going to have some size in their back and some size in their shoulders. And because of that, they're going to have a V shape. So it's a telltale indication that someone is fit if they have that shape. Whether you've thought about it or not in the past, uh, hopefully going forward, you do think about it. And it's something that you at least consider for a second. That's a telltale sign that someone has some level of fitness in their life on a regular basis and they have a built up strong back now people who have that trait people who have a built up back people who have a strong back people who who put time into building their back they 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 do more than just build their back what they're also doing is they are in a roundabout way making their entire upper body look built up okay there's um there's something that happens when you build up your back and you build up the muscle groups back there, you pull the skin like this is kind of a next level thing, but you, you pull the skin a little bit tighter just as a result, just as a byproduct of having muscle in your back. You pull the skin a little bit tighter around your midsection, you pull the skin a little bit tighter around the upper body. So, you know, obviously you're on your back at this point, but it pulls the skin t- more a little bit more tightly around the chest as well, just because you, you don't really grow more skin just because you're building more muscle. Instead, you pull the skin a little tighter. And because you pull the skin a little tighter, now the chest looks a little bit more pronounced. The chest looks a little bit more built up. And then at the same time, think about the shoulders. Okay. Think about the traps. Think about the delts, right? The deltoids, which is that, that muscle group that connects your, your shoulder around your neck, which is the traps, to your biceps and triceps, which is your arm. It's that muscle group right in the middle right between those, that is going to look more defined. That is going to look bigger, right? If you are a naturally vascular person, you're going to be, natu- you're going to be uh, more vascular as a result of having a more defined back, of having more back mass and, and more back muscle density. So those are the things that happen as a result of lifting to build a bigger back, all right? Or doing exercises, doing workouts, doing things to build a bigger, stronger back, uh, now, again, there are so many reasons why people want the aesthetic of a bigger back and a more strong, defined back. But let's think about the functional aspect of having a stronger back. All right? Maybe you work in construction. Maybe you maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you work in a, in a cubicle. Maybe you are a fireman or maybe you are you work in an automobile repair shop or something like that, like a car repair place or a garage, right? Or something like that. You're a mechanic. I don't know. But whatever it is, if you have any job that requires you to lift things, either off the ground or off of a bench or move them from one bench to another or whatever, you need the strength of your back to do that. Sometimes it's minor. Sometimes it's major. If you have to bend over to pick something up, you are, think about this. If you really break down the movement of bending over to pick an object up off the ground, right? You're bending at the hips. So you're bending at the waist and whether or not you're locking your, your knees or you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you're bending over to pick something up, as soon as you wrap your hands around it or put your hands underneath it or whatever, you grab hold of the thing that you're trying to pick up and you start lifting it away from the earth, right? You're probably bending your hips to, to, and you're lifting with your legs. Hopefully you're driving through your heels, whatever, but you're lifting it away from the earth. What is happening in, as far as your upper body goes is your core is contracting, even if it's just a little bit, your core is contracting, so all of your abdominals are contracting, and you are contracting your, very likely, your lats, or latissimus, latissimus, however you want to say it, it says a little differently, your latissimus dorsi, you are contracting your lats, okay, which is like the muscle group beneath your arms on your back, it's like the lower half of your back, and you're contracting those, you're also contracting think about where your how your arms are connected to your midsection right how they're connected to your torso how is that done well you've got the you've got the object in your hands right now between the hands and your shoulders you've got your forearms you've got your biceps you've got your triceps then you've got your delts your deltoids then they connect to your body and with any pulling exercise you are going to engage the biceps, you're going to engage the forearms, you're going to engage the rhomboids in the back, you're going to engage your traps, your trapezius, and you're going to engage your lats. You're going to engage all those muscle groups. Now, again, it could be an insignificant amount, but all of those are going to get engaged. All of those things are going to become used in order to perform that lift. Even if you're lifting a 20 pound object off the ground, that is what is happening. So the, the stronger that all those things are, all those muscle groups, including the lats, which is what we're talking about primarily, the stronger that all those things are, the easier your job is going to be. The easier any functional movement is going to be. In fact, there is not a situation ever in your life that I can think of that I've ever been able to come up with where strength is not going to help you. There is not a situation where you want to be weaker ever. Really? Why, why? Think about that. When, what situation would it help you to be weaker? Would it help you to not have more strength? Now, sure. There are situations where you don't need to be the strongest man in the room, or you don't need to be the strongest woman in the room, or you don't need to be the strongest w- person in the world, of course, but like, that's what tools are for. That's what like a pallet jack is obviously used to move a pallet and a crane is used to lift other heavy things. I get it. But when would strength, like all those things aside, when would strength not helpful, would not be helpful? When would that not help you? Never. The answer is never. So when it comes to functional strength, whether you need it on a daily basis or not, it's going to help you. So building a bigger back, building a stronger back, building a more defined back, those are all byproducts of using weightlifting, using resistance training as it pertains to pulling exercises as it pertains to engaging the back. Okay. And all of those things are going to produce a easier lifestyle for you. It doesn't matter again, how often you use it. I can tell you right now, I pick up my son. My son is seven years old. I pick him up when I pick him up. If I have to lift him off the couch and like create, you know, if he falls asleep on the couch and I have to scoop my hands underneath him and pick him up and then carry him up to his bedroom at night or something, which happens. I know I can feel it, and this this is obviously on my mind probably more than it's on your mind because I 'm a trainer and I'm a coach, and I do these things, but when I pick him up i I'm very aware that I'm using my back, I'm using my biceps, i 'm using my shoulders, all of that to scoop him up, and he's like sixty pounds sixty five pounds and I have to scoop him up and carry him upstairs. but I can tell you this now he's a dense a dense young child he plays sports he's very he's very fit for his age. Um, he's heavier than most kids his age. I don't remember the percentile that the doctor gave us, but he's also extremely tall for his age. So he's just a big kid. He's not, he's, he's not, uh, he's got wide shoulders, whatever. Anyway, he's heavy for a kid and dead weight. If you've ever picked up another human being, dead weight is real. When you pick up a a scoop up a human, especially once you get over that 50 pound mark, you know, it's real weight. And, um, And this is coming from someone who lifts weights every single day for fun and for for health and fitness. But when I pick him up, I know what's engaging. I can feel it. And I can tell you right now, if you have a stronger back, stronger biceps, a stronger body, a stronger body overall, then doing things like picking up your kids, like physically picking them up, goofing around with them, carrying them to bed like I do, whatever, is easier And because it's easier, it's more fun. And because it's more fun, you want to do it more often. And guess what creates an amazing experience between a parent and a child? Is goofing around with them and playing with them and picking them up and doing all these things. I can tell you that firsthand. I can also tell you, I can point to a million different parents who do the same thing. If they can pick up their kids and goof around with them and play with them and carry them to the room and do all the stuff, it's more fun. And it creates an amazing experience for the kids. And guess what? That creates an amazing relationship between the parent and the child. I know this isn't related, but it is. If you're a parent, you can probably resonate with everything I'm saying right now. So anyway, functional strength as it pertains to the back. The back, I would argue, is one of the more important muscle groups to continue to build, to continue to strengthen, to continue to develop, Year after year after year, always and forever until you die. I, I talk about the importance of leg strength a lot too. And I do believe that that's pro- if I had to prioritize a muscle group, that would probably be the one that is the most important to train and to develop and to exercise and to work all the time. As often, like not as often as possible, but basically as often as possible because that is a muscle group that you will use every single day for the rest of your life in in every situation really in every situation but the back is is almost equally as important now how do you build a strong and defined back i am going to get into some exercises here in a minute before i do i just have one more point all right now i touched on this a little bit earlier i talked about how building up a strong back, building up a muscular back, building up a muscular upper and lower back, so shoulder, uh, yeah, delts, shoulders, traps, lats, rhomboids, all of it. When you build those things up, again, what happens aesthetically is you start to draw the skin tighter in your upper body. And I'm not, it's not like, it's not drawing so tight you look like weird or anything. It's just, it draws the skin a little tighter. If you think about your muscles growing, your skin doesn't grow to, uh, to, to, to balance that out. It doesn't grow at the same rate. So what happens is you draw the skin a little bit tighter. The skin doesn't need to grow. The sc- the skin has elasticity, so it can just kind of maintain its, its current surface area. It doesn't need to change. Um, but anyway, you draw the skin a little tighter and therefore you give an enhanced appearance to the chest. You give an enhanced appearance to... That's how, that's how a six-pack oftentimes goes from looking okay to looking extremely defined is through the additional muscular depth and build of other muscle, other muscle groups in the upper body. So a back, right, lats. Uh, chest you build those things up you draw the skin tighter so anyway the point I'm trying to make here uh, is is since we're talking about building a more defined back and building a uh, a more chiseled back in some cases in order to get that you need to not ignore the other things around it okay so putting an emphasis on chest exercises things like bench press or any pressing exercise any pushing exercise, is going to enhance the muscle groups near the back, which are going to do the same thing that I just described, only the opposite. So they're going to draw the skin tighter around them. So if you build an upper chest, a strong upper chest through incline presses and things like that, you are going to draw the skin tighter around your chest. At the same time, that same skin, since it's all connected, it's one giant surface area, uh, you know, piece of, of skin, it's going to draw tighter around your back at the same time. It's going to draw tighter around your core, around your abs. It's going to draw tighter around your lats. So as a result, all of those little striations and all of those little details in the muscle definition that you want to see, you're trying to see, those become more visible the more you put energy into building muscle everywhere. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. You need to build muscle everywhere. If you want one specific spot to become more defined or to become more chiseled or to be more shredded or whatever, if you want visibility, you need to work everything. Okay. You can target strength. You can target strength. If you build muscle, you can build muscle in one particular muscle group. You can focus that in a way where that gets all the attention or the majority of the attention, right? Forget about synergistic muscles for a moment. If you focus on prime movers, for example, if you just do rows over and over and over again, like cable rows or barbell rows, you will utilize the back muscles more than anything else, in particular, the lats. That's just going to be the way it goes, right? Now, the synergists will work, but the prime mover, your lats, is going to get more of the concentration, Therefore, it's going to get the biggest gains, All right? That's great for strength. You can do that for strength. However, you cannot target fat loss. And because you can't target fat loss, you cannot target definition. You cannot target one particular area of your body to be more shredded than another. You can't do that. Again, you can target strength. You can target uh, range of motion. You can target movement, mobility. You can target... In some ways, you can target um, like endurance in certain muscle groups. You can train a muscle group to be to have more endurance than others. You cannot target fat loss. Fat loss happens across the entire body at once. Therefore, you cannot target definition, right? You can't have a completely sh- you, well. Some people have weird genetics, and this happens as a byproduct. But you can't plan. To have a shredded six pack and then be fat everywhere else. It it just doesn't happen. You can't happen. Just likewise, you can't have extremely defined shoulders. You can't plan this anyway. You can't plan to have extremely defined shoulders with a little bit of vascularity and muscle definition and striations in your delts. You can't plan that and have an extremely fat midsection at the same time. You just can't. Again, some people have naturally uh, low body fat in certain areas of their body, even though they might be overweight and they might be obese in some cases. But it's very, 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 very rare. And you certainly can't do that intentionally. Okay, you cannot target that. (laughs) So I just needed that to be said. Now, again, how do you build a strong back? What exercises as a certified trainer, what would I tell somebody if I was training them, how would I set up a program for them to build a bigger back, right? If I was coaching somebody, so I wasn't there in person, I do this all the time. If I wasn't there in person, but I was setting up a training program for them that was specific for them to build a bigger back, to build a stronger back, to build a more defined back, how would I do that? Well, again, everybody's different. I do not believe in one size fits all training programs, I do not believe in one size fits all nutrition programs. Okay. That's why you can't, that's why you can't go onto my website and then just like move a meal program to your shopping cart and buy it. That's not how I work. That's not how I think any trainer, any good trainer or any good coach would run their shop. But anyway, how would I do this? there's some core exercises that I believe almost everybody should utilize. I'm not going to get into set count. I'm not going to get into rep count. I'm not going to get into weight, like how much weight you should be lifting. But in general, these exercises are very, very, very effective for almost everybody. Okay. It's just putting them into a program that makes sense that is going to differ from person to person to person. But anyway, here are exercises that you should absolutely be doing. If you want to achieve a bigger, stronger, more defined Back, both for functional strength and for fitness strength, weightlifting strength, competition strength, or whatever. So first and foremost is going to be the deadlift. Okay. The deadlift is by far the most effective exercise for doing everything we've been talking about in this episode by far. Okay. And it doesn't really matter if you're going to do a traditional deadlift like a regular deadlift, or if you're going to do something with the trap bar or something like that, which is a bar that you kind of stand in. It's almost like an octagon or a hexagon. You stand in, and it's got handles on the sides. It doesn't really matter what type of bar you're using, as long as the, the principle is being applied, which is you are picking a mass up off the ground and you are standing up with it, right? That's really the core principle of a deadlift. Now, all the mechanics behind a deadlift, which are very specific, by the way, those need to be practiced. It's a de- The deadlift is not a simple lift. It's not a simple exercise. It takes practice. There's a lot of little nuances to it that you can't necessarily tell from looking at unless you really read about them or hear about them and watch somebody do it uh, a couple times and, and then practice it. Ultimately, it comes down to practice. But anyway, the deadlift is super important because when you drive through the heels to lift that, that mass up off of the ground from a rest... Obviously, you're engaging your hamstrings, you're engra- engaging your glutes because you're driving through your heels, which is your legs. But as you get to like the knee area, right, you're lifting off the ground. I want you to imagine yourself picking a mass up off the ground. As you get to like the knees, which could be 10, 12, 14 inches off the ground, then you need to start rotating your or moving your hips backwards, right? You need to start bending your hips and start to stand up. And as you do that, all of the load that you're trying to lift goes from your legs which you were using to now your back cuz now you do now you need to really engage your core now you need to really engage your lats now you need to really engage your arms cuz you're holding on to this mass now you need to really engage your rhomboids and your traps all of those things become super engaged now at this point so they come they they start to contract um and, and the, the more you stand up as you get to the end of the lift, because the lift ends when you are standing up completely, right? And the, the mass is usually around your waist. You're just kind of holding it around your waist. Your arms are elongated. But when you, when you get to that point from your knees onward, it's almost entirely a back exercise. You're still engaging the legs in a heavy way, but it shifts from a primarily leg exercise to almost a, I'll say a, a primarily back exercise right i don't I, I don't i hesitate to put percentages to it but i want you to imagine it kind of like this from the ground to the knees is like an 80% leg exercise 20% back and arm and upper body exercise from the knees to the waist however is probably the opposite maybe maybe like a maybe like a 60 40 upper body to lower body kind of thing um but anyway the the priority shifts the main prime mover group changes from the knees to the waist. So, anyway, the deadlift is so important because it engages all those muscle groups that I just talked about, and the ones that get hit the most are the legs and then the back, the lats. But they get hit in such a targeted way, such a uh, such a uh, like a, an overall way where you're not you're not using just one muscle group in the back. You're using everything because you're using everything in this compound lift you are, you're, you're putting so much more emphasis on the entire package, so much more stress on the entire package that they can't not grow. They cannot, they can't not contract and they can't not strengthen as a result of doing this exercise. It's one of the most important exercises for a lot of muscle groups primarily the back. So that's the one I'm going to talk about the most. That's the one I'm going to always recommend pretty much to everybody. Now, if you have an injury and you can't do a regular deadlift with a barbell, that's fine. You can use a trap bar. If you can't use the trap bar, that's fine. You can actually deadlift with dumbbells. You can deadlift with a Smith machine if you really have to. You can find ways to do it, but the bottom line is this. You're picking a mass up off of the ground and then you're putting it back down. It's like the true epitome of weightlifting, picking things up and putting them down. This is like, this is like old school. This goes back to like the very origin of weightlifting and people building strength, you know, like Roman warrior type stuff. You're picking things up. You're putting them back down. You're doing that over and over and over and over again. Back in the day, they used to do this with rocks. They used to do this with huge boulders. They used to do this with logs. Uh, Obviously, we don't need to do that anymore. But if you are into CrossFit, you're probably doing this with medicine balls. You're probably doing this with kettlebells and stuff like that. Um, If you're more into bodybuilding, you're probably doing this with barbells. You're probably doing this with dumbbells. You're probably doing this with a Smith machine. powerlifting, almost exclusively trap bar and the regular barbell. Okay, But the principles are the same. You're picking something up off the ground. You're standing up with it. And then you're putting it back down. You do that over and over and over again. Guess what gets built? Your back. Guess what else gets built? Your legs. But your entire upper body... Gets stronger as a result of doing this, which is going to give you what this podcast is all about, which is a stronger, more defined, more muscular back. So the other, uh, I'd say the second most important exercise for building a back, which I would inc- uh, encourage every single person on planet earth to do is a pull-up. Okay. A pull-up, do a pull-up Body weight pull-ups are if possible. Now, Most people, and this is okay, by the way, most people start off in fitness not being able to do a body weight pull up. They cannot pull their body weight up. They can't do it. And that's okay. You got to be willing to be okay with that at first. That's okay. And the reason you can't do it is because your body is, your, your back is not strong enough. And that's, again, that's okay. The whole point is to get to the point where you can do that to get to a place where you can lift your body weight, you can pull your body weight up. Okay. So that's why it's like a core exercise and boot camp and stuff like that is that they want people to be able to lift their body weight. They want to be able to pull their body weight up. So pull-ups are so incredibly important. And if you get to the point where you can do sets of 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 pull-ups, guess what? the thing that's holding you back from building even more strength and more definition and more size in that back is not doing more pull-ups with, with your body weight. That is not the thing that's going to get you there. What's going to get you there is adding weight to those pull-ups. Okay. Using a weight belt and then chaining on a 25 pound weight or a 50, a 45 pound plate. Or if you're really strong, you've been really doing this for a while, you know, Get to that point where you're doing two 45-pound plates. Guess what that, that's going to do? That is going to build your back so incredibly strong and big over, like, over a short period of time, like a year or two. You're going to put on so much mass by adding weight to your pull-up because you're doing something that is so unconventional, so not typical, so uncommon, right? I talk about that all the time. If you want to build a big, defined, strong V-like back, you need to do things that are not typical and not traditional and not conventional and not common because that is what that result is. That result is not common. That result is not typical. So instead of just doing bodyweight pull-ups, once you get to the point where you can do several of them, start adding on weight. Okay. Now I'm going to rattle through some other exercises that I, I always consider, uh, there's a couple at the end that I'll talk about more specifically, but these exercises I sprinkle in and out of my routines. I sprinkle in and out of my clients routines all the time. Uh, again, not going to talk about weights or sets, just the specific exercise itself. So, uh, bent over dumbbell rows. I use these a lot. I think they're incredibly powerful for building mass and strength. Um, those are one handed by the way. So you do one at a time bent over barbell rows. This is a bent over row with a barbell it's basically the same thing as a dumbbell row, except you're using both hands and you're using the entire barbell. Uh, that's another huge, huge, huge exercise for building size and strength. Seated cable rows. Most of you guys knows, knows, know what this is. I do variations of one hand and two hand seated cable rows. I think those are incredibly powerful. Seated wide grip pulldowns. So this is similar to doing a pull-up, okay? Except you can really stack the weight because you're sitting down and your knees are locked into this device so that it, you won't like, you don't have to keep yourself balanced. You don't have to, um, you don't have to worry about like your body, like not being able to pull the weight down, you know, because it's too heavy because you're locked in. So because you're locked in, your body won't go up into the air as you start to pull this thing down, if it's too heavy. So you can use the leverage there. It's all about creating leverage. Anyway, why did wide grip pull downs are incredibly important. It's like the supplement to pull-ups, but definitely not a replacement for pull-ups. Um, seated close parallel grip pull-downs. So that's kind of like a wide grip pull-down. You use the same machine, but instead of using the wide grip handle attachment, you take that off and you replace, replace it with another attachment that I've seen at pretty much every gym I've ever been to, which basically gives you two parallel handles to hold on to that are very close. They're like six inches apart. Use that attachment and do the same thing. You're doing pull downs, right? But instead of being wide grip with your hands way out past your shoulders, you're doing close grip. So you're bringing these things in and they're really coming in. As you pull the weight closer to you, you're really pulling this handle close to your chest, like right in the middle of your chest. And what that's going to do is it's going to work your back. It's going to work your lats specifically, but it's also going to work a lot of your upper lats and lower traps in a way that the wide grip just doesn't. The wide grip is going to get the wider... Part of your lats, like the what really defines that pronounced V in your back, but the the close grip stuff is going to do all the details and all the size and all the the uh, the mechanics of the inside of your back, okay, near your spine. So anyway, those are great seated close grip uh, parallel pull downs, standing cable rows. This is one that a lot of people don't do. This is at a cable machine using a one hand attachment, like a a single handle attachment, standing facing the cable, and then pulling it towards you, basically doing a seated cable row, but you're standing at this point. And uh, you're going to want the weight positioned on the cable machine right around your, your mid like middle of your midsection, like between your sternum and your belly button. And you're going to pull that cable towards you, right to, right to your abdomen, right to your midsection, and then let it go back. And this is one, again, it's not conventional. You don't see it a lot, but I'm telling you it's extremely powerful. And I make my clients do it all the time and they get amazing results as a result of doing these. And now here are some things, here are two exercises that are also unconventional, but they're incredibly powerful for building that definition and incredibly powerful for building endurance and dynamic range, range of motion and mobility. Okay. They're huge for that. The first one is battle ropes. Battle ropes are not a weighted exercise. Really? Uh, if you've never seen these, these are two ropes that are usually like 40 feet long or something. And they're, they're tied to the ground in one side. And then the other side is floating. And you do what you do is you pick them up and you kind of get into a squat stance. So you're like half squatted down, right? And you stay in that stance. And what you do, you have one rope in each hand you lift your hands up with the the ropes, which are super thick and they weigh a lot actually, but you lift them up and then you slam them back down. So you lift them up like to your, I don't know, maybe eyeball height, maybe a little higher above your head. And then you slam them back down to the ground. Do that over and over and over and over again. It's kind of used, I'd say more often than not, it's used as a hit exercise, a high intensity interval training exercise, but make no mistake about it. That will build your shoulders and your back in ways that lifting weights by itself does not. Okay? So I always encourage people to do fast, high energy, high range of motion movements like this just to add that to the the weightlifting. Okay? Because it it adds mobility, it adds range of motion, it adds endurance again in ways where static uh weight like an iso iso movements just do not. So battle ropes. I always encourage people to do battle rope Variations and if you don't want to just pick them up and then slam them back down in this like a straight line over and over and over again, you can do like some old old school jump rope type patterns where you swipe you uh, you kind of arc your you know one of them clockwise and then the other one counterclockwise and then one clockwise and the other one counter- and you do that over and over and over and over again and then it has the same effect, but it's a little bit different so you can kind of bounce back and forth between different patterns where you're you're basically you're moving the cable up or the 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 ropes up in some way and then back down in another way. It doesn't really matter if you do the same pattern over and over again or use different patterns. It just switches it up, just keeps it fresh, but the the result is always going to be the same. So uh definitely do those. Uh the last one is another rare one. It's called a lying overhead dumbbell extension. So this one's a little bit different. You lie on your back, you pick up a dumbbell and you are holding the dumbbell over your head and what you do is you let it go back behind you you keep your arms kind of kind of straight slight bend in the elbow and you lower the weight behind your head so that as you lower it your hands are basically at the same height as your your head right and the weight's kind of dangling behind you only suspended in your hands and then with your arms in the same extended position, you bring your arms back around, you bring that weight back over your head, back over your face, and then ultimately over your chest. And what that's doing is it's stretching out your lats, it's stretching out your, your traps in a couple different ways, it's stretching out your delts even, and you are putting them under contraction in a way that no other exercise that we do kind of does, right? It's because you're, you're using, using a weight that's overhead, but you're lying down. So you can't engage certain ex- certain muscle groups the same way lying down as you can when you're standing. And uh, the, the primary group that gets hit by this besides the chest, because it is actually a chest exercise as well, but the primary group that gets hit by this is your outer lats. Okay. Even though it's a close grip exercise, you're keeping your arms so far away from you. And because you're keeping your arms so far away from you, your lats really need to engage to balance it out like to actually keep the balance, the physical balance. And it's incredibly powerful. So, you know, people use this on chest day as well. Um, it's kind of a 50-50 split, but I'm telling you, as far as the back goes, this exercise, if you're not already doing it you start incorporating it, give it a good three to six months of doing this, like every week or every other week, and you will see results. You will see results that are different than whatever exercises you're doing now. Just because it hits your back in a way especially those outer lats, like I said, uh, that don't normally get hit through most conventional exercises. Okay. So uh, one last tip I want to give to everybody for back exercises, since back exercises are pulls when it comes to grip, this is something I talk about all the time to my clients and, and people I'm training, but when it comes to grip, it's super important that you try to get these two things uh, used, or these two things implemented and put into practice for every single exercise, for every pull exercise. Okay. Do not, do not wrap your thumb around the same direction of uh, on the bar as your index finger and your other fingers. Okay. When you are doing a pull exercise, it's very important that you that you wrap your thumb around the opposite direction. Okay. So you've got your your index, your pinky, your ring finger, middle finger, all going around one one direction. Let's just say clockwise, depending on how you're looking at the bar. Those are going clockwise around the bar. Your thumb needs to be going counterclockwise around the bar. Okay, You want that thumb to be around. If you do that, right? if you wrap your thumbs around in the opposite direction, what you're doing is you're engaging part of your forearms that would not normally become engaged. And it's going to make the lift easier and more controllable for you. I'm talking specifically for pulling exercises. You're also going to get more out of it because you're going to be able to, um, you're going to be able, you're going to be more efficient with the lift. You're not going to have to strain as much. You're not going to have to demand as much from your synergistic muscle groups. Okay. Now, the other thing, when you have your thumb wrapped around, if you can get it kind of over your index fingernail, and then just like grip super tight. Now that you have that locked in there, you are going to only take that to the next level. You're going to make that even more efficient. You're going to make it even more effective. That's just kind of like a little pro tip I like to give people when it comes to pulling exercises. It does make a massive difference. And if you are, if you're calling BS on me, that's fine. I encourage you to try it. Try both in the same day or do one back day, one pull day with your thumb in the same direction and then do another pull day with your thumb going the opposite direction. I think you'll agree with me. And uh, if, you, if you can imagine this, right, if you think about all your fingers going around the bar at the, in the same direction, including your thumb, you are relying on that hook, that hook shape, right, of your fingers going around the bar in order to, to, to be the only contact point between your body and that bar, that mass. You're relying on that hook. However, if you have your finger, your thumb going in the opposite direction of your other fingers... You don't just have a J hook at this point. Now you have a closed loop, right? You have a closed loop. So it's a it's a locking hook. It's a locked hook at this point. It's not just a J hook. It's a complete, uh, it's a complete like circumferential grab on that mass, which is a very different situation. And you're increasing the contact area, right? You're also increasing the effectiveness of that hook that is grabbing onto the mass because you now have a closed loop around it. So that's just kind of like a physics standpoint. Just think about that for a second. So anyway, that's going to wrap up this episode. This is a little bit of a long one, but I think there's a lot of good points here. And it doesn't matter what your goal is. There's never going to be a situation where having a stronger, more defined back is going to hurt you. So I encourage everybody to make back exercises and pull exercises in general a critical and staple part of whatever it is programmed they're following and doing. So one more time, if you do want a chance to win a $50 gift card to Amazon, uh, do three things, right? Three step process, super simple. Go to iTunes, leave me a review in iTunes for this podcast, screenshot the review, and then post that review in either Instagram stories or Facebook stories, or as a regular post, it doesn't matter. And tag me and one other friend. That's it do those things, you will be automatically entered. If you do them both, you'll be entered twice. And I will announce the winners in January. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate you more than you think. And don't forget, as always, train with purpose, especially your back, since we're talking about the back today. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Take care.